This week's podcast brought to you by Steak au Poivre. Every day in October when I've driven the kids to or from school, uh, we've passed what I initially thought was a scarecrow, but it really is just a, a, a figure in a, in a field surrounded oddly by police caution tape, and it's of a, an astronaut, like a stuffed scarecrow-like figure, but it's in an astronaut suit with a, with a space helmet in a white sort of NASA jumpsuit. And as you pass it from the front, you see from the back that it has two holes cut out in the seat of its pants and a sort of plastic bare bottom sticking out of those pants. It makes the kids howl with laughter every day. Uh, we started calling it the man on the moon until one of the kids amended that to the moon on the man. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're recording this on uh, the morning after the Red Sox won the World Series. Their fourth in 15 years are. Eldest daughter was born in 2004. The Red Sox have won the World Series four times since then. Obviously, the game was on too late for that, any of them to watch it, so our son woke up this morning, wanted to see the end of it. I had promised to record it, but of course, to record a baseball game these days, you have to record the Bosley hair care commercial that comes on at 3 o'clock in the morning, five episodes of The King of Queens, the local news, all that stuff. And so I wasn't able to DVR it for him, and he wasn't happy about it. Well, what was the game that went into 18 innings or whatever? That was game three? Yeah, that ended at like 3.05 that in, the, night, in the East. That night, I was putting one of our kids to bed, and um, as can happen sometimes, I fell asleep in the bed with, uh, it was our eight-year-old daughter, and I fell asleep in the bed with her, and I woke up, it was two in the morning, and I came to our in, into our room, and I saw that the television was on, but, you know, just kind of ignored it, and then... You know, after getting my contact lenses out and all that stuff and crawling into bed, I realized the game was still going on at two in the morning. I thought that it was, um, you know, that it was highlights or whatever no, that no, Sports no. Center had been left on when you fell asleep. But uh, but no, it was the actual live game. And I, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even bother to watch a few minutes of it. I just figured I'll find out who won in the morning. <laughs> As a point of pride, I, I said I wasn't going to go to sleep before. Larry King did, and Larry King was sitting behind the plate so you could see him that entire game. Um, but eventually I succumbed. I, I, I acknowledge that, A, Larry is three hours earlier on the West Coast, and B, as somebody pointed out on Twitter, uh, Larry used to, used to host Open Phone America till 3 o'clock in the morning his old radio, on his old radio program in the, in the 80s. If you were driving in the middle of the night, you'd hear Larry King taking calls from crackpots at, at 2.35 in the morning. So... He, he has no problem staying up till three in the morning. I'm sure they release the numbers, but I would be interested to see the ratings and uh, and what they looked like. You know, once you got past midnight, from twelve to one, one to two Eastern, then two to three. How many people were watching, and what percent of uh, was watching compared to how many were watching? You know, at ten p.m. Eastern. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, again, the, the demographic would be. Uh, 
95 and over, I think, is the baseball demographic. I'm one of them. Yeah, you know, I, you I know who was watch. watching at the end of the game was was the baseball demographic, people who are up for the next morning. That's what I'm saying. People who are up to pee in the middle of the night or, or, or they just the get morning. up at right. three. And, Prisoners, uh, college students. That was the old uh, Letterman demographic, he would always say. Um, and then there, I think my favorite moment of the World Series was uh, from a nonpartisan point of view was um, when when uh, James Taylor sang the national anthem before game one and you were in the next room. I think you were in the giving a, one of the kids a tub and, and I said from from the other room, uh, JT is singing the national anthem at Fenway and after a short pause you said, that doesn't sound like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> well, forgive me. I'm a big James Taylor fan. You All you said was JT is singing the national anthem and because, you know, it's not like the World Series for me was destina- destination viewing and you hadn't said at Fenway or I would have put two and two together a little bit better than I did. Um, that's my defense is I, I didn't realize it was at Fenway or that it was it, that it was the World Series. I just thought some JT was singing the national anthem somewhere for something. And, and, and somebody said uh, that that is the Delta. And, and it did make me think that perhaps I'm seven years older than you are. Perhaps that was the the dividing line generationally that that the, the JT line that JT was James Taylor to me and Justin Timberlake to you maybe maybe that is and and, and, and the line would be people who are 47 and older and 47 and younger and, and believe it or not that that same line was I was watching the World Series in one room and you were not watching the World Series in another room I think that was also part of the dividing line well I'm usually not watching whatever's on TV in the other room, especially that t- time of night, because I am helping one of our kids take a bath or, or whatever it is. And, and our daughter this morning, it was great as she was filling her water bottle from school and her siblings were in the other room watching highlights of the World Series. She just looked at me holding the water bottle in her left hand and put her right hand up um, in the position to give a high five and said, do the teams, did the teams do this last night after the World Series? And she, of course, means after her soccer games or whatever, the girls give each other fives on both teams while holding their water bottle in the left hand and doing the high five with the right hand. And I just laughed and said, no, the teams did not do that. And then you told me later that in Dodger Stadium, after the Dodgers lost, what song did they play? They played New York, New York, the, the Yankees' traditional victory cigar of a song. So that was lovely. But um, one thing I actually really like in the WNBA, the teams still after games, the teams go through and do the, the high five line. And one of my favorites is always when a Bill Lambeer coached team um, goes through the line against a Kurt Miller coached team because Bill Lambeer is like 6'10", 300 something pounds. And Kurt Miller is not 6'10", and nor 300 something pounds. And when the two of them, you know, do the handshake, it's just one of my more favorite visuals in the WNBA. Uh, you mentioned that you weren't watching the World Series because you were giving uh, our daughter a tub. Uh, I'm sure she preferred that I had given her a tub because the last time I think you were out of this town. This was unbelievable. No, I, I, I had to go somewhere that night. I think I don't know if it was a coach's meeting. It was something. I was here for dinner but had to leave, had to leave after dinner. And you insisted that I give her a tub or that, that at least that she be that she presentable for the next yeah. day. But uh, the problem was she uh, had just gotten her dessert, her bowl, her coffee mug full of ice cream. And it was, we had an assembly line that 
she needed to take a tub now so the next person could take a tub and then she had to go to bed. She said, she'd put, what about my ice cream? And I said, you can eat it in the tub. Yeah, you sent me, I get a picture that you sent me 15 minutes after I leave the house and it's our daughter in the bathtub surrounded by bu- bubbles holding her coffee mug with Ceramic. ice cream in it. it Ceramic was... coffee mug. Uh, it was it was unbelievable that yes that's one of the differences now between you and me is that you let her have dessert in the tub and then what did she ask for well, the next the, the, day the next morning i woke her up for school i had to wake her up and she opened she was one still eye in her sugar coma yeah, from she, her ice she opened cream. one eye i think she still had chocolate ice cream on her face because the tub was self-defeating and uh she opened one eye then she opened the other she within three seconds gave me double finger pistols and said, Dad, tonight, ice cream in the tub. <laughs> and and my first reaction was, she wants to take another tub tonight. How, what a service I have done. <laughs> what, and then, what she, said, then she, said, she said at breakfast, no, 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 Dad, tonight, ice cream in the shower. <laughs> and I think, you know, that song, Cake by the Ocean, I think, I think we've topped it with, Ice cream in the tub. Fortunately, I think I've been here most nights since then, and I think she has not yet had ice cream in the shower, has she? Not yet, but uh, why not? Um, you know, I think I think if anybody, if we should get Tom, Dick, and Harry. Maybe Narls, Harls, Harls Markley. I can't. Rem- I can never remember the uh, the hip hop offshoot of Tom, Dick, and Harry, but it's it's Harls Markley. Maybe they can put together an ice cream in the tub as a sort of cake by the ocean tribute. I think they should, for sure. But you were gone one night recently, and so was I. We were both gone uh, overnight. We went to Boston, and we saw Hamilton. It was just as phenomenal as everyone talks about. I, I can't believe I had not listened to the entire Hamilton soundtrack before last week, after you got the tickets. Um, I made sure to listen to the soundtrack, which I was. it took me a long time. It's a long soundtrack, and I would only listen to it in the car and um, it was phenomenal. I was so into it, loving loving every bit of it. And um, yeah, a few months ago, I had gotten our babysitter, secured our babysitter so that you and I could go to Boston um, it's six months after our anniversary to celebrate our anniversary. And you got the tickets to Hamilton. And wow, what an absolutely incredible show. If, if, if people who are listening haven't at least listened to the soundtrack, do that. It's... Um, but- it's riveting. It's it's moving. It's just well, so well done. I think. I mean, Hamilton hardly needs our endorsement, but what the the show before the show was also terrific, and that involves everybody. Well, not everybody, but plenty of people walking up to the edge of the stage, just beyond the orchestra pit, just walking up to the edge of the orchestra pit and having their picture taken in front of the empty stage, and then uh, people in our case, holding up their little plastic flute of champagne and trying to get the perfect Instagram picture of their that champagne was... glass in front of in front of uh, basically a bare stage. The woman in front of us was holding her champagne flute in her left hand while her boyfriend or husband or whatever was holding the Hamilton playbill and, and while trying yeah, to get the empty stage behind them, like trying to get this perfect Instagram photo to send out so that everybody would know that they were... At about to watch Hamilton, and um, I the, did. I got a picture of the marquee outside. I didn't get a picture of us inside, but we, it, it we was, were there. We know we were there. I know. And we attended I know. it. The uninstagrammed 
Hamilton experience, I think, is not worth having. Yeah, and it's but it was people of every age now, even, you know, people in their 60s. Um, you know, we saw them taking selfies with the stage behind them. Yeah, that's just such a sort of a weird thing. We saw a guy who was probably in his late 50s, early 60s with his daughter, you know, making a big scene, taking a picture in front of the stage, uh, a selfie in front of the stage. Who knows where he was planning to post that? Apparently Instagram or wherever. But uh, my favorite pregame moment was arriving at our seats and the people who had arrived before us sitting in the seats in front of us had thrown their heavy down winter jackets over the back of their seat so that I had basically a deployed down airbag uh, in my knees. So I, I took the guys, the sleeves, the puffy sleeves of this puffy coat and shoved them between the cracks of the seats in front of me, in his seat. There was a coat check as soon as you walked in. I, I thought of tapping the guy on the shoulder and saying, would you like me to check your coat for you with the coat check? I'll even tip the coat check person on the way out, but I can't have your coat on my lap. Just get it Maybe out of your put lap. your coat on your lap. I actually took a picture of that, so I'll post that on our Instagram, which is at Ball and Chain Podcast. Um, I was going to take a picture of the the people in front of us who were staging that perfect picture with the champagne flute in the playbill, but didn't. You but should have I taken. Did... You should have taken a picture of her staging her perfect Instagram photo and putting it on your Instagram. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I did pick, take a picture of the deployed airbags in from the seat in front of you, so I can I can put that on there. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun watching that. And then at intermission, I saw the most efficient. I experienced the most efficient bathroom experience of my life. And uh, and I'll leave it at that. No, I so the law the line was forever long. Um, to you have to go downstairs in the Boston Opera House, and the line takes is just so many people, but it was moving quicker than you would expect. And then when I got into the bathroom, I was in awe of the system they have there. So there's, you know, a row of uh, that has stalls on each side, and each stall had a number on it, and I think it went up to 25. So it was a you know relatively big bathroom with 25 stalls or whatever. And then there was a woman, I would say in her mid-60s, with a microphone at the end of the the row of stalls. She didn't work there. (laughs) And as soon as someone would come out of a stall, she would just say into the microphone, um, 13, 4, 17. And I said to the woman. Like at passport control in an international I said to the woman, the stranger next to me, I said, this is like bathroom bingo. But... it was phenomenal. So as soon as somebody would leave, she would just say the number. And of course, they were sequential. So then you would just go into the stall. And, and there, there were some at the end that you couldn't see, but you knew like if your number was 20 or higher, oh, there's an empty stall down there. It was the most efficient way to have a, a public people move through a public bathroom that I have ever seen. And the woman with like she deserved the mic drop at the end of intermission. You don't want to drop the mic there open. or pick it up again. <laughs> but it was I was absolutely impressed um, because we've gone to see shows at the Bushnell Theater, which is the theater in Hartford and um, or, or other places. I've just never seen this system in play before. And well done, Bo- Boston Opera House. Um, it was very, very impressive. Did you think about shouting from a your closed stall? Bingo! After one of those, <laughs> it would have been would have been great. That, that would have been pretty phenomenal. Um, and how cool would it have been if the lady had started, you know, singing Hamilton songs or lyrics? 
on her bathroom microphone. Well, a woman, a, 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 a Caucasian woman that age singing any Hamilton lyrics anywhere on a microphone would have been pretty spectacular, but especially there. Yeah, she could have she could have taken it up a notch, I suppose. I wonder what she gets paid. Do you think that's just a volunteer position? Someone who volunteers at the Boston Opera House? Or do you think, you know... Did she have a tip jar? um, She didn't have a tip jar. And that's somebody I would have, without question, have tipped because she was really good. And when I came out of my stall, I was in stall 13. And when I came out and walked by her, my stall was to the back of her. And I just said, 13's open. And just to help her out a little bit. Do you think so do you, I got the assist. Do you think, I mean, if it is a volunteer job or she had to have gotten into the theater somehow, perhaps she was just busking. What's busking? What's busking? Mm-hmm. When you play you... in the subway, you, oh, know, right, you have the right, open right. guitar case. Right. And... <laughs> yeah, she had the... If she's not singing. She's not playing an instrument. Right. She's just she's just, what, she's just bathroom busking. What would have been the case that she had would have had open if that was the case? Would it just been like a, a brand new toilet that was just like in the middle of the hall with the with the lid open? That's the that's the case you would have thrown your, uh, your spare change in? Well, you would have to have some intermediary to throw the change into because there are bathroom attendants in certain places, obviously, but, uh, you know, there is that thing of if you try to hand somebody something after coming out of the bathroom, they're like, I'm good. And remember the congressman from wherever, someplace out west who was who was uh, in the bathroom stall at Minneapolis-St. Paul, Larry, what's his face? With the wide stance. With the wide stance. And he said he was just picking up a piece of paper. He wasn't soliciting the guy in the next stall. He was picking up a piece of paper off the floor of the stall. And I remember some comedian saying, I wouldn't pick up a $100 bill <laughs> off the floor of the stall. Yeah. So. Yeah, pretty gross. But um, but anyway, kudos to the Boston Opera House, uh, their bathroom operation. And kudos to, to Hamilton, the, the production. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever warranted a, the Genius Grant more than Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I was having this conversation with various friends and relatives who were who were browbeating us into seeing Hamilton. It was never for a lack of interest. It was just a lack of opportunity. Um, but texting with my friend Mike last night, and he and his wife had just seen Hamilton in Minneapolis, and, and they were saying, our friend Katie was saying that, uh, in her in her opinion, this is the Hamilton and the Harry Potter books are the two greatest works of art in her lifetime. She's 50. And I said I would have to throw in the collected works of the Beatles in there. Now, the start of the Beatles career predates the start of me. But uh, as as but there's there's room for more than one on top of Mount Everest. Obviously, I, I don't I hate ranking these things. It's it's absurd. But I think they all belong up there on the mountaintop. Well, I like it, and uh, I think we should continue to give this some thought and to see if there's anything that's that we should add to that. When when we were well, there of course there's plenty we should add to it. This, we're just this is just coming from our our point of view and our uh, what I, I don't know painting or jazz or or, um, you know, needlepoint well enough to know what the other great pantheon of works are and other forms of art. Well, I was, um, I was thinking when we were getting ready to uh, go to Boston to see Hamilton that I have actually had a chance to talk about Hamilton and its creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda, with President Obama. And when I went to the White House for the last time to... Uh, do the brackets, Barackatology, with President Obama. It was in 2016, in, in March of 2016. And um, and I remember the day before I went, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was at the White House 
doing a freestyle, a freestyle rap. And, and um, I forget where also they were. Also not invited. Yeah. <laughs> just brought a microphone. Maybe, right. Just like the woman in the opera house bathroom. Um, I think it was in the Rose Garden. I'm not exactly sure where it was, but it's definitely worth looking up on YouTube. President Obama just is holding a bunch of cards with a word on them. And, um, and he'd show it to Lynn, who would then just freestyle rap. And this was March 14th of 2016. And so the next, which is also the night of the Women's College Selection Show. So the next morning, early in the morning, I took a flight um, down to Washington, D.C. and was in the White House in the map room, which is the room we use to do barocatology. Ah, but now it was the rap room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. So anyway... When uh, Andy Katz was done doing the men's bracket with President Obama, that would be my turn to step in. And so there's a few minutes where we would just chit chat because they had to take the big whiteboard off the easel for the men's bracket, put the women's bracket on. They'd uh, have to take off Andy's microphone and put it on me. And in that time, I, I mentioned to um, President Obama how, you know, what I had seen the rap the day before, how great it was. And he said, yeah, he said, Lynn hadn't seen any of the cards ahead of time. And then he told me how he had seen um, Hamilton when it was in its preview stage, which was um, in 2015. Uh, he had been there in July. And, uh, Who had been where? He had been. Who was he? Okay. So in July of 2015, President Obama um, had been in New York City to see a preview of Hamilton. And I joked around with him. I said, oh, you were able to get tickets, huh? And he said, yeah, he had seen the preview. And I said, gosh, they the the actors must have been a little bit nervous to have you in the audience. He said, well, it wasn't that I was in the audience. He said, Lynn was sitting next to him. The understudy was on and um, and Lynn was kind of watching to critique the show. Did Obama say just my luck to get the understudy right, right. the day I come? Right, exactly. He, he said, he's like, you know, what better way to, to watch the show than to watch it sitting next to the person who wrote, who created it and wrote it. Um, but also, if, if you have a chance, I would recommend people go on YouTube and they can see when uh, Lynn manuel Miranda performed for the first time at the White House. And he, um, it was in 2008, there was an evening of poetry, music, and the spoken word at the White House. And uh, I, I will probably be getting another one of those soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe next week or, or the following year. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, Lynn manuel Miranda came out and he said, I'm working on a hip hop album, a concept album about the life of Alexander Hamilton. And then he went into one of the songs. But, um, you know, that was back in 2008. But it was uh, it was kind of cool that, you know, I ha was able to have this conversation about the play Hamilton with President Obama the day after Lynn manuel Miranda had been at the White House. And um, I mean, just think about that. I'm working on a on a musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton. I mean, what a... What no, a it, it wasn't even musical. He said, I'm working on a concept album. So this is before even, he, even, it was going even, to be even, a musical. Even more ridiculous. And, and um, you know, how many people thought that was... Good luck with that. Well, when I, I went on to, to look about the date where Lin-Manuel Miranda was doing the, the freestyling at the White House, because I was at the White House three years doing barocatology. I didn't remember exactly which one. And so I saw online that it was March 14th of 2016. And so then I went to one of my handy calendars that you like from 2016 and opened it. And I was like, yeah, indeed. The next day I was at the White House. You've made fun of me a little bit because I don't know how I exactly feel about this, but um, I have something in common with now Brett Supreme Kavanaugh. Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh in that- You both have calendars yes. from 1982. No, mine's not from 1982, but for the past- 
like, I don't know how long. I do have a calendar. This is because I started doing this long before you could have, you know, your calendar on your phone. It's my date calendar. It's my where I keep, you know, things that have happened or, or are going to happen. Like our schedule essentially is in this calendar. And so I was able to pull out. There's no beach week in there, but I was able to pull out my calendar for 2016, 15 and 14 to figure out which one of those years it was that. Um, that you and Squee went to the uh, beach party. <laughs> yes. PJ and I hanging out. But uh, all three years that I went, um, we did it in the map room. And um, they basically, when you go in there, they tell you not to touch anything. And there were probably 20 to 25 people from ESPN there. There was camera people, lighting people, sound people, producers, um, all in this room that's not all that big. Every year that I went down, I flew down in the morning and went right to the White House because the night before was the women's college selection show. So the next morning was the earliest I could get down there. One year, um, a couple years, I took a cab. Uh, one year, I actually took um, the subway or whatever it's called in D.C. Um, right to right by the White House and was able to, to get in that way. But one morning, one year, it was like a 4.30 a.m. wake up because I had to get on the first flight down there. And I would go and uh, sometimes, you know, bring bring have my suitcase in the back of the map room there was a bathroom i would change in there i I always loved that the you know the towels there the hand towels that you use were paper but they had the president's seal on them so usually i would take one or two just as a souvenir to bring home to the kids and if you've never been to the white house they also have a lady with a microphone directing you (laughs) to the nearest open stall and uh and just down the hall from the map room they would have a woman um there to do makeup but this was not uh uh, espn makeup person this was the president's makeup woman so whenever he did tv appearances you know he would just get a little bit of powder so his his face wasn't shining but she would also do my makeup and she would do andy Katz's makeup and they would set us up in the doctor's office essentially so you'd go in and sit down and um and so whenever it was a few months ago, there was sort of a, you know, a scandal about the White House physician. Um, that's whose office that we were in. So we'd get our makeup done in there. And then the last time I was there, there was a guy, a uh, Secret Service um, member who was really nice. And he gave me like some chocolates to give to the kids, uh, you know, with the president's seal on the chocolate box. But it was always um, an interesting day because I'd get up 4.30 in the morning, go to Bradley Airport, pretty confident that I was the only person on the plane that was going to be in the map room that day interviewing the president, get there, change, get my makeup done, and then get to chat with President Obama for a few minutes before selecting which teams he thought would be going to the final four. So three years of pretty uh, great way to spend the day. And then I'd always fly back that afternoon. It was it was a 24 hours or 12 hours that went by very quickly. And if you told this story to our kids, the the first reaction and probably the only reaction would be, what's a map? (laughs) Probably. So three hours in a theater seat flew by while watching Hamilton. I never once looked at my watch. I don't wear a watch, so that would have been difficult. But uh, at the end, I thought, it's already over. And you got to spend several hours in a a theater-style seat the other day. It, It did not fly by, as I understand. Yeah, I enjoyed it as much as my visits to the White House and our three hours watching Hamilton, I was called for jury duty. And I responded. It it was actually a day where we didn't have a ton of things going on with the kids. I didn't have to be in another state calling a game. So 
you know, I didn't send in the form saying that I needed to postpone my jury duty. But the night before, I was eagerly waiting for the text the text that they now send. It used to be you'd call the night before to find out if you had to report. Now they will send you a text if you don't have to report. So when I didn't get the text that I didn't need to report, I called because of course it must have been an error. <laughs> so I called and yes, I needed to report. At 8.15- It's like the old country song, if the phone doesn't ring, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was, the, it was Hartford Superior Court. So I had to be there at 8.15 in the morning. There's a bunch of us. There's, it was a big turnout. We're, we're lined up outside. It's chilly morning, 8.15 in the morning. You feel like you're camping out for a Springsteen ticket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not very often that you're in line for something that you don't want to do. But this is one of those cases. And so they came out and said to us, you know, all men take off your belts before you go through the um, the, the security. And, thing. and give them to the women. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody exchange clothing. Right. Take off your belt. Something okay. They're making it even harder to get somewhere that no one is interested in getting to. So, um, go through security. Finally, get inside, and they're like, "Okay, you go over to the elevator up to the fourth floor." And it's an old elevator in an old building. And and we may have or may not have talked about this before. I'm I don't like elevators. I don't like small elevators. I especially don't like small crowded elevators in old buildings. So I just said to the guy, I said, you know can I take the stairs instead? Well, yes, but we have to wait for a security guard to come down and escort you. Anyway. That, that sealed your fate for the rest of the oh, day. Of course. You, know, you were immediately uh, branded a troublemaker. Yes. So, so, and there's one other guy, an older guy with long gray hair and a ponytail with a skull cap on, with um, glasses on his face, sunglasses perched on his head, and a prosthetic right hand. I, I like and, that. Just in the, in this pool of jurors, you have to distinguish that this guy had glasses on his face. Where were others wearing their glasses? Well, I'm saying he had regular glasses on his face and sunglasses perched on okay. his head. He had two pair of glasses on his head, and um and and was dressed in sort of an eclectic way. So he and I are the ones who who have to take the stairs together with the security guard. He says his is because um is because he gets vertigo when he's on an elevator. I said, I just don't like elevators, to which the guard responded to me, I understand, especially these elevators. Is this like a prison movie where you ask each other, what are you in here for yeah. when you're in the stairwell? Pretty much, yeah. What are you taking the stairs for? So you get up to the fourth floor. And so now we're all just sitting. You know, They said, we're probably going to start around 9. And I'm thinking, well, why did I have to be here at 8.15 if we're not going to start till 9? So we're in a big room. And um, I'm sitting there quietly. I'm minding my business. I have planned my day to spend the entire day at jury duty. I, I had a basketball meeting that night. I followed by a basketball game. This is this is important everybody to the there story. is inconvenienced. It's no, no, not no. unique I, to yourself. This, this is just important to the story. I I am in the mental space that I'm going to spend the day there. Go right from there to a basketball coaches meeting. Right from there to coach a basketball game. I'm going to get home at nine o'clock. That my my day is planned that way. I've got all the kids stuff organized with you. That's my mental space and I'm fine with it. So I'm sitting there waiting and all of a sudden a woman comes over to me and says, come to the back with me. So I go, she, she's working there. So I go to the back with her and there's someone else in there. And they said to me, your brother, my brother is a judge. They said, your brother, we know your brother because he was in this court. He was in the Hartford court for however many years. Your brother, we should say, is a 6'11 judge in Connecticut. His robes were made by Ringling Brothers. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, they know your brother. Yes. Um, and they said to me, because your brother is a judge, you will probably 
get dismissed by whatever judge is is working today because your brother's a judge uh, unless you you know really really want to serve and i said well it would actually be easier for me if i didn't so okay so did you said, did you mention that you know you have hamilton tickets for yes. 3 days from now so you can't possibly serve on a long jury no and so and, they, and, and and did they read you your lin manuel miranda rights when you were doing that <laughs> they did not but i'll get my coat and leave so, so they had me they said just sit over, you know, like in the in the area where the um, where the vending machines are. So I'm like, okay. So now now my my mental space has changed. Now I'm thinking, I'm gonna be home by 10 a.m. I can get this done and this done and this done. So I'm starting to get excited that all right, I've I've done my civic duty, but because my brother's a judge, I'm not a good juror. They're sending me home, and uh, they just told me to hang out there. So an hour goes by, and then two hours go by. And then two and a half hours go by and no one's come and said anything to me. So I just walk back into the room and, and I say to the, to the lady, um, you know, is there an update for me? And she said, uh, yeah, we, we didn't get, I don't know if they couldn't get with the judge or whatever, but you're back in the pool. And I was just like, okay, just curious if anyone was going to let me know that. So as this is happening, they keep, you know, they'll go in and say, can juror, and they read off a list of like seven or eight jurors, come meet by the vending machines. This is, I hear this repeatedly through the day, come meet by the vending machines. And then that group of jurors would be taken to, what's the phrase? Um, I know it's not steak au poivre, but that's what I think of it. Uh, to voir steak dire. au poivre. They take them yes, to the voir dire. the jurors are taken to steak au poivre. <laughs> so voir dire and uh and do that whole thing and so so then you know time keeps ticking i see a group of jurors who've gone to voir dire and then come back forever be steak au poivre but (laughs) and then come back and they're already being sent home They, they didn't make the cut for whatever reason and i'm just thinking if you can send me to voir dire you'll find out my brother's a judge and i i too will be able to get get to go home but again, I'm just sitting there. And, and as this is happening, like there, there's a woman who worked there who couldn't have been more chipper and pleasant and and helping people who, you know, most of these people don't want to be there and um, just answering questions. Like one woman came over and said, um, you know, where's the water? And, and the woman pleasantly, the woman who worked there pleasantly said, um, it's in the sink that's right in front of you. I saw a woman come over because, again, I'm in the area with the vending machines and the food and stuff, and they have coffee out. I saw a woman come over. She was holding her coffee cup that probably still had two ounces in the bottom of it. She tipped it upside down and let the remaining coffee just spill onto the carpet and then added, you know, what uh, her next fresh cup of coffee. So it was... <laughs> They, it was an interesting dynamic they, they, of humanity. They had immediately marked you out as, as a pain when, when you approached them and said, uh, where is the craft services table? <laughs> and I only want to use the one that's for talent only. And so finally at um, around noon, I hear my name called. My name's called with two other people. And, 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 and the woman says, uh, can so-and-so, so-and-so, and Rebecca Lobo, you're free to go for lunch. Be back at two o'clock. So still haven't been steak au poivre. I still haven't been steak au poivre. And so I leave. I have a really good friend who works down um, by the courthouse. We go to have lunch and and she just kept me sane because I'm like, this is unbelievable. Again, my headspace had been so ready for a day of jury duty. And now it everything was taken out of whack, shaken out of whack. And so I come back at two o'clock and I sit there till three o'clock. And, I, and at one point I'm ch- chatting with uh, when I came back after lunch, I was chatting with the uh, security guard 
as he's once again walking me up the stairs and he didn't know exactly which way to go. So we got off on the wrong floor. I haven't even told you this part yet. We got off on the wrong floor and then he went to get me into the back to the stairwell and it was the wrong stairwell. And, and he pushed open the door that says alarm will sound. Well, it did in the entire courthouse. You hear this alarm sounding and he's, he's he has a keychain with like five keys on it. And it wasn't until he got to the fifth one. Was it the right one that would turn the alarm off? So then we go up one floor he does it again. He opens the door. The alarm goes off. It again takes him until he gets to the fifth key before the alarms, this loud, loud alarm stops blaring. So anyway, he then tells me that there's like 150 or 200 jurors there that day. And I said, is that a big number? He said, oh, it's a massive amount. Like we never had this many. And I'm thinking, okay, this is awesome. So get back upstairs. So I'm sitting there it's from two o'clock to three o'clock. And all of a sudden I look around, they call the last group of names. I'm not one of them. And I realized there's five of us still in the room that that is the remainder remaining people that can be part of the jury pool. Five isn't enough for a jury. So I already know there's no way we can serve because there's not enough of us to serve on a panel. You have to have more than five. And finally, 45 minutes after that, at 345, I hear my name called and all the other people in the room's names called. And we go to the back and they say, We've, we're being let go, that um, they anticipated using us on a jury that day, but, um, but indeed they are not going to use us. So I went from, all right, I was going to be out of there early to being one of the last people um, sent home. So it was, it was just, it talks about the power of the mind. I remember having a conversation with Carol Lawson, who I work with on college basketball, who played at Tennessee, and she said she was always fine in practice, like running sprints and pushing through hard, hard, hard parts of practice. She's like, you know, but I needed, uh, but as long as the coach kind of let us, let us know, like if Pat Summit told her we were going to do four suicides, she was totally fine with that. But when you were done with the fourth, if all of a sudden the coach threw on the last one, that that's the one that would really get to her because mentally you're prepared for so many. And that's what it was for me. Well, of course, if you're going on a five mile run, no problem. You know, you're running five miles. If you're going on a three mile run and then suddenly you're asked to extend it for two more miles, it's, it's, you mentally cave in. Yeah. It's Um, a, it's just such, it's such a mental exercise. What mentally caved me in during jury duty, I had the same experience as you two years ago, was you bring a book, you bring a crossword puzzle, whatever it is you bring, it's, it's powerless in the face of the TV screen at the front of the room where you're all sitting blaring the price is right at volume 75. Of course, it wasn't the price is right. If it had been the price is right, I'd have been all in. But something that you don't want to watch. I mentioned this to one of our kids. They said they should just be showing Judge Judy like on a loop. And I said, that's not really how it works, but fair enough. Well, that makes me think because, of course, at the front of the room was a TV that was on the whole time. And for us, it was on the home shopping network. and, and it's funny because they hand you a list of rules and guidelines when you walk in. And one of them is, you know, they don't want you watching the news. So one you know, of them to, is, is no shopping. Yeah. <laughs> not to watch the news. So you're not allowed to turn the channel on the television to a news channel. But of course, you have your phone in your hand, which has, you know, Twitter and news feeds. And, and, and you can watch your local news on there, too. But yeah, ours was Home Shopping Network and, and nobody was watching it. Everyone would have preferred that the TV not be on. And one of the things they told us early on, too, was, um, you know, the question we get asked all the time is, is there Wi-Fi? No, there's not Wi-Fi here. We're sorry for that. And uh, But of course, everyone has their phones and, you know, the one place that you can use all of your month's data and not feel bad about it would be uh, your day at, at jury it, it, duty. It's the exact same experience that I we've had at a venue almost identical 
to this one with the exception of that other at that other venue after you've waited eight hours at least your car has been serviced exactly it then your tires have been rotated your 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 uh, air filter has been replaced i don't know enough car terms to know exactly what they're doing your wiper blades have been have been uh but at least refreshed. In, when you get your car done, it's not like they are sending you a note saying you have to come on this date um, or you essentially could go to jail. Well, they you, sort you of You have do. something to say about um, about when that's done. Well, you're, no, at the end of getting your car service, you're absolved for another six months or, or 5,000 miles. It, it's very similar to jury duty. Imagine if you were sitting there flipping through a, a, a six-year-old copy of, of Car and Driver while you're getting your car service. And at the end of that several hours, they came in and said, what do you say about this guy over here? Should right. he go to prison or should he be allowed to go free? Should he be allowed to change your wiper blades and, and, again? And your answer is, I, I don't know. I've been watching The Price is Right, right. for the last four hours. Well, sort the of home The Home Shopping Network. The indignity, too, because if you wanted to leave leave the floor, you had to ask permission. So at one point, this guy, I would say maybe he was in his early 60s, late 50s. He went up and asked permission to go downstairs so he could smoke a cigarette. And so they let him. And, uh, you know, he just had to sign out on the piece of paper and then sign back in when he came in. And I don't know why, but that made me think of when I was in high school. And I don't know how it was when you were in high school, but our high school had a smoking area. Of course. Everybody has the pit or the... It was Ours was right outside the, the hallway where the cafeteria was so that... You know, whenever lunch break, that's when kids would just go outside, and of course, it was fine to, whether you were fourteen or eighteen. And yet, if I if go I to asked, the smoking area, when I asked for the same privilege to go have a candy cigarette out back, they never let me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so the uh, the interesting the interesting things about jury duty. I it was a few years ago where I was uh, after the apoiv, I was selected for the jury. Um, this was in a civil case, and um, and the night before the trial was going to happen, I got the call that they had indeed settled. But uh, but yeah, so it's 2018, so I won't get called again in 2021 because spending the day there gave me three years of not being called for jury duty. But what always happens, I must at some point have been flagged as as a good candidate because the second I am eligible, last year... Uh, um, I was one of the people when I when I called, I didn't have to show up and that that gets you out of it for a year. But the second I am eligible for jury duty, I get the notice in the mail that um, that I have been summoned. Conversely, my 83, 84 year old father never once called for jury duty in all of his decades. in He's Minnesota. never been called for jury. No, duty. I didn't say he's never been called for jury. Oh. Duty. He was never called for jury duty in Minnesota. As soon as he uh, moved to Florida for six months plus in the wintertime, he was called for jury duty. However, the form had a box on it that said, if you are 75 or older, you can opt out of jury duty. And of course, he, he opted out of jury duty. I'm sure some are eager to do that in their in their retirement. Your dad would actually be a good juror. He would be someone after the apoiv that I would, um, if I was an attorney, I would want him on my case. He's a very smart and... Uh, Judicious. Yeah, and 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 like even thinking person, he would be ideal to be on a jury. He next time he should not opt out just and, for and, the story. And just 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 by himself, he would be twelve angry men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he would. Uh, I forgot to add this. Is this we talked about Hamilton earlier? Um, but my favorite moment of the pregame, at least, and maybe of the whole night, was just before the curtain went up. People were still filing in, and just before the curtain went up. 
we a couple was coming into our row and we had to stand and to let them through obviously and they were very apologetic excuse me sorry excuse me i'm sorry i'm sorry and no problem but as they passed the husband or the guy stopped in front of you and said in a soft voice in the theater right before it starts i want you to know i can still dunk (laughs) it's very important for him to say that and and i'll just say i'm pretty confident he can't because, I don't think he ever could. Uh, yeah, that, that, that that's a possibility too. But yeah, he was he was nice and friendly. Um, and bringing back Hamilton makes me think of something our eight year old again said on the way to school today. I need to play for her one of the songs from Hamilton soon because we had the radio on. Um, I don't know what channel, probably the Beatles channel or something. And and the music came on, and she said um, very astutely, she said, "How come songs always start with this and not the words?" And I said, yeah, you're right. Songs always start first with instruments before somebody starts singing, except, of course, Hamilton in the, some of the songs in Hamilton. So I'll have to show her that Rose, indeed, some songs do start right away with the lyrics. Well, in Hamilton, because it's all sung or rapped, they're, starting, they're, they're giving basically subtitles, 1776. Right, uh, right. The election of 1800. Um, uh, oh, I, something that our kids said about music that just made me think of when I've played like a jazz channel or an American standards channel on satellite radio and say, say it's Rhapsody in Blue. Our daughter said, there are no words in this song. Right. It's, it's strictly instrumental. Well then how do they know what it's called? (laughs) And I had never thought of that. How do they know? They, They must know that there are secret lyrics they're not telling us about. All right, I think it's time for another Uber confession. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. We were, we were in Boston during a nor'easter. It was raining sideways. We didn't walk to the theater. We took a cab. Nothing of note happened, but I think we have the greatest untoppable uh, Uber confession of all time, and this is not from one of us, but this is from this is from a somebody tweeted this to us. Tracy tweeted this to us, and it's from Daniel Powell uh, on Twitter, who was taking an Uber, obviously, and his Uber driver was I'm guessing it's Christ C H R I S T, and it just it's just a screenshot of his phone. It's got the Uber logo, and it says message from message from Christ. I have arrived. <laughs> uh, not how I expected him to come back, but okay, uh, tweets Daniel. His previous message from Uber is, Uber, arriving soon. Christ is arriving soon in a Hyundai Elantra with the license plate number. After arriving, he'll wait two minutes before charges begin for their time. And then, of course, the following message is, message from Christ, I have arrived. So that was sort of a hybrid Uber confession slash viewer mail. Let's segue seamlessly now into viewer mail. Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. And of course, you can reach us on Twitter at 
at Ball and Chain Pod on Instagram, which by the way, I have to, I said this last week, but this week I have to get posted on Instagram, the awesome crossword puzzle that was done for our 50th anniversary show. Um, but Gmail is at Ball and Chain Pod at gmail.com. And to the people who... It's not at Ball and Chain Pod at gmail.com. It's Ball and Chain Pod at, at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Yeah. And for the people who wrote a review on iTunes, thank you so much. And um, if you like our podcast and are so inclined, we encourage you to write a review um, on the iTunes uh, on the iTunes app. So, let me just say before viewer mail, um, for the people who have requested swag, we'll get that out sometime this week. We've been lazy about that. but We? Well, me. Yes. I'm the only one who's ever sent it out. Well, exactly. So, so, so it's so, Denny's side hustle. Claim your props, but also admit your laziness. Okay, so this is a viewer mail from John. He said, I heard Steve say on a podcast that he ran the New York City Marathon once. Finally looked up time. That's no joke, exclamation mark. Well done, 20 years later. I just like that. He says he finally looked up your time. Apparently that's something that... uh, I was in New York last week and they were setting up the scaffolding at the finish line of the New York Marathon. It's coming up this coming weekend. This will be 20 years since I ran the 1998 New York Marathon in gigantic billowing cotton board uh, surf shorts and a cotton t-shirt with it with it enough hair that that my haircut uh, caused people at least three different people to yell at me separately run forest run <laughs> that is not a good vision and I did I ran the hell out of it thank but, you but John was able to look up your time and so if anybody out there wants to look up Steve Russian's time from the 1988. New York I, City I didn't Mar- know how you would 88, do that. 98, 98, 1998, 1998, New York City Marathon. Um, go ahead and do that. I'll save you the trouble. It was 301 and change. But anyway, go ahead. That's uh, that's pretty darn good. And that was after walking the last mile, right? Wasn't last that? mile. Uh, the last six miles I was walking slash jogging. That's when people were yelling, run for us, run to me. Oh. So this is from Dan DeWert, who, of course, we've gotten um, viewer mails from in the past. He said he was in Milwaukee. There's more than one recombobulation area in town. I will retweet this because he sent us a picture from the Stone Creek Coffee. I'm guessing it's a cafe, but from Stone Creek Coffee, they have a sign outside that says recombobulation area. So it's it's in Milwaukee. It's not just in the airport. It's uh it's taking off in Milwaukee as people are recombobulating all over the city. That, that Dan DeWert, by the way, runs the Marquette. Uh, university mentorship program among other things and he's the one who paired me with Denny with one N Gallagher in the Marquette mentorship program thus spawning the evil spawn of that is this podcast yeah if that if that marriage had never happened we wouldn't have the ball and chain podcast one more from me before we also go to... if this marriage had never happened we that's wouldn't have that's it. true Nate says uh, road swing was the first sports book I read where I laughed out loud and have been a Steve Russian fan since which makes me ask, do authors get royalties when their book is checked out of the li- library or digital library? I feel like they should. They don't. They don't. I love libraries. I'm glad people are checking them out of libraries. I harbor no expectation of a royalty on a library book. Um, and um, this will be taken out of context when Denny edits this for a future podcast. But thanks for checking me out, Larry. What's his name? <laughs> his name is Nate. Nate. Nate, if I, if I got a royalty every time I was checked out, you'd be, I'd a, be rich, a rich man. rich man. But anyway, Road Swing, when I when you and I first um, became friends, you gave me a copy of Road Swing, and I would take it um, on road trips. And Sue Wicks, who I've talked about a lot uh, in previous podcasts, she should be a guest just, on this podcast. Oh, without question, about being the funniest teammate I ever had. She was my roommate in those days, and uh, 
And I just remember her saying to me on the bus or even when we were traveling, I remember one of the first places I was reading the book on the road was when we were playing in Detroit. And she just said, what is making you laugh out loud? I've never heard you laugh out loud reading before. And I said, oh, this book, Road Swing. So anyway, if anybody out there um, is a Steve Russian fan and hasn't read Road Swing, um, I highly recommend that you do. It is, it is, I think, one of the funnier books, not only in your library, but... Uh, but in the library period. And you'd say that if you weren't married to me. I, I would be more inclined to say it if I wasn't That's married true. to you. Uh, this is, comes to us uh, on Gmail. It's from Michelle in South Carolina. And Michelle writes, Rebecca, when you mentioned your jersey number for the 96 Olympics, it made me think about something I watched recently. A DVD copied from an original VHS recording of the Lifetime TV special about the 96 women's Olymp- basketball Olympic team called Reach for Gold. And I'll get to her question in a second, but I just love that that uh, subordinate clause there. A DVD copied from an original VHS recording of the Lifetime TV special. That's one heck of a subordinate clause. That's, that's a, it's a great time capsule right there. I enjoyed seeing a lot of players from back in the day that I followed through the years, including three women who at one point were 75% of the coaching staff for my University of South Carolina Gamecocks, Nikki McRae, Carla McGee, and of course, Don Staley. And as the rookie, there was also a lot of great footage of you, including some of that wonderful 90s fashion. Happy 50th episode this week. Looking forward to 50 more in basement. Thank you, Michelle. I'm wondering what um, what inspired her to, to find that DVD of the VHS of the lifetime special and put it in to to watch that day but um but thank you thank you for watching here's one from bobby she sent a picture of the recombobulation area at milwaukee airport is this bobby or recombobby <laughs> from now on it'll be recombobby and uh this is a she bobby and she also sent a separate tweet and it said rebecca as a working mom you should sleep anywhere you can including in the car in the parking lot maybe not outside the liquor store but anywhere else. And then she hashtags it, who cares what others think? And I just need to clarify, when I talked about um, refusing to let myself fall asleep in the parking lot that day, I wasn't worried about what other people were going to think. I was worried about, I am now at the point in my life where I'm the woman, the middle-aged woman who's asleep in a parking lot. And I just wouldn't let wouldn't let myself do that. I don't care what, what others think about me sleeping in a parking lot, but I do care what I think about me sleeping when it comes to sleeping in parking lots i always follow the maxim as i do in the rest of my life wwdgsd what would dr gary siegel do and and he 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 enjoys sleeping in parking lots before and after workouts at the y and sometimes he is admitted instead of doing the workout at the y he will be sleeping in the parking well i mean yeah i think it has the same uh restorative qualities as a workout this is uh on gmail and I, this is incredible. Hello, Steve and Rebecca. I've secretly been hoping that someday in one of your conversations about airplane antics, one of you might mention that unintentional flight to Vermont resulting from a mysterious cloud in the cabin. We talked last week about being diverted on a flight to Chicago, back to New England, landing in Burlington, Vermont, and fire trucks lining the runway. Denise writes, I was hoping you would talk about that because I was on that flight too. This was years ago. Yeah, years ago. In an unknowing intersection of our lives, I was flying from Hartford to Chicago to visit my sister, and I couldn't wait to get there to tell her how excited I was to recognize Rebecca Lobo on the same plane. But of course, I had to wait until the next day as we were bused to some hotel in Burlington and then back to the airport the next morning to continue on our various ways. And now, just think, here I am, your staff birder. Must have been all the flight experience that got me the job, Denise in Glastonbury. Thank you, Denise. Good to, good to hear from you again. And since uh, we, she's... 
She's been our staff birder for months now, and, and that she never mentioned before that we were on a flight she, she together. She didn't know that we were on that flight together. Oh, no, no she knew. she of did. Course she, she was did. excited yes, course, to tell yes. her sister in Chicago, oh, but she true. just did not, did not let us know. just been waiting for us to say, say so. Well, from the staff birder, I think it's time to go to our regi- resident educator, Lauren. Lauren lives in uh, around Louisville, and she, said, she sent um, a link to the news story after there was um, a shooting in the Kroger in Louisville. And she said, this is my second Kroger because it is less than a mile from my school. I go there frequently. It's lucky that I took a personal day today. So the, sh- the shooting that happened in the Kroger is our resident educator's second Kroger that she visits, visits. So we too, Lauren, are happy that you took a personal day that day. Christy writes, Dear Stephen, Rebecca, I was excited that you recognized paper as the traditional gift for the one-year anniversary. I work for the world's largest forest products company, and I've been selling paper for 30 years. I would hope that this fact would make me eligible to be the ball and chain resident paper supplier slash paper queen. When I say slash, I mean paper cut. <laughs> uh, Christy, she... you are a paper supplier slash paper queen. I think we should just go with paper queen. Without, without question, we're going with PQ for the paper queen. We had a, uh, a tweet from Maribel, who has, I think, a phenomenal idea. And she says, can the podcast make a monthly Spotify playlist? There are so many songs that, we, that, that you especially will start singing or mention on the podcast. And uh, we should. We should um, go back and figure out what those are. And every month we should put up a Spotify playlist. We might need Denny with One End's help with that. Um, because I don't know how to make a Spotify playlist. I'm, I'm sure it's not very difficult. But uh, Denny with one N, here's another one of your uh, side gigs for us. This week's playlist would just be the all 46 songs of the Hamilton soundtrack. I didn't finish uh, Christy's email. She goes on to say that, um, being the same age as Steve, I thought I had the perfect Christmas gifts for both my dad and my brother-in-law. Stingray afternoons. It turns out my dad and brother-in-law both had the same idea, and we each ended up with two copies. We happily regifted our extra copies. All three of us are looking forward to reading the printed on paper version of Knights in White Castle. So that's a lovely O. Henry ending. They all got each other the same thing and, and regifted them. That's perfect. And um, you can pre, it's on pre-sale now, Knights in White Castle, and it comes out May 30th of 2019. Yeah, and to answer a previous question, I also don't get royalties on regifted books. Right. You only get them the one time. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Michelle. She says, "For FYI on the lottery. In South Carolina, you can remain anonymous when claiming the prize. We are one of eight states that allow this. I did not double check to find out if that's true because we talked about the lottery and whether or not um, you could stay anonymous on last week's podcast, podcast number 50. But apparently, if you live in South Carolina, Michelle says there and seven other states, you can choose to remain anonymous if you win the lottery. Rebecca, you expressed uh, your mystification recently at the rules of volleyball, which were coming new too, as, as our daughter goes into high school. Dr. Gary Siegel's son uh, played lacrosse in high school, which was relatively new to the Atlanta area at the time. And, and Dr. Siegel figures that uh, after those four years, he could only understand about 70, 70% of the lacrosse rules. And I think I'm, I'm at about 15% for me. Uh, the rule regarding who gets the ball that goes out of bounds was the most obtuse one as the possession goes to the team whose player is closest to the ball when it crosses out of bounds. Yeah, we, we went and watched our niece. Our niece plays lacrosse in college. We went and watched her last year for the first time. It was my first time really paying attention to a lacrosse game, and that rule was the one that struck stuck out to me as being the silliest, that when the ball goes out of bounds, the team that gets possession is the one who is standing most near it. 
Dr. Siegel also says that uh, Georgia, where he lives, has gone hands-off while driving, no contact whatsoever with the phone. Many people openly violate that rule. Dr. Siegel pleads the fifth on it. I, I would, I would, I would welcome that. Hands we were, off on the phone. You know, we were, we were at a stoplight yesterday, and we missed the entire cycle at a, like a seven-way intersection because the guy at the front of the line just texted through it. Yeah, I, I ended up. You, know, I think. The, the right amount of time you can sit there after the light turns green before you honk your horn gently to nudge him is like three seconds. And I waited a good four or five before I tapped on the horn. And even after I tapped on the horn, it took him three more seconds. It was like he was saying, oh, I'm in the middle of doing something. Let me finish my text and then I'll then I'll go through the light and essentially made it so that only two people could make it through the green light a bit frustrating. Prior to Google Maps, Dr. Siegel writes, my wife, a longtime AAA member, would go there for the bound maps that they would print out for you to, prior to our road trip. I think they have their own program, not Google Maps, as you had alluded, and I think that you can still go to the AAA locations or go online and get those maps. He's talking about the AAA triptych, triptych that yes. you guys got whenever you went on vacation as a kid, right? Yeah, my mo- this was when, uh, when I was a kid. We lived in Massachusetts, and every summer when we would uh, go on vacation, we'd go to Cape Cod. My parents didn't need the triptych for that. But when we were a kid, we had two extra special vacations. Um, this was after fourth grade and after eighth grade. We went to Disneyland, Disney World in Florida, but we drove. And before we went on the trip, they would go to AAA. They would get the triptych and they would get the American Express traveler's checks because of course course, actually they would get traveler's checks even when we went to cape cod they wouldn't even use cash there but yeah they would get the triptych and i remember it was a big deal my my dad always did the driving and my mom would be in the passenger seat and when they flipped the page uh, to the bound triptych and it was like a reporter's notebook it was bound on the top of it it was a big deal when you flipped the page and uh, got to the next map so um so yeah absolutely I, i remember those fondly and now all of these things are, are memorialized in the map room at the White House yeah, right. as an ancient relic <laughs> of our history. Exactly. Got anything else? I have one last tweet, and this comes from Ryan. And um, he said, I had to show up at jury duty once. The judge in charge of jury selection that day, Judge Lobo. So there you go. Have ga- I'm going to write his memoir someday. Ghost write it. Have gavel, will travel. Tom, Dick, and Harry for producer Denny with one N Gallagher. Rebecca and Steve. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fat. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane